As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. A formidable beast, the grizzly. As strong as an ox, fast as a horse, quick as a cat. No animal but man can challenge him. It's a new day, yes it is! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... To Wild and Crazy Guys! The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. Put in another corner! We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogue and Johns with you in early week edition recording on a Monday. Just work better with the Bears schedule this week with the Soldier Field practice on Tuesday. So you're getting the episode a little bit early. What's up, Johnsy? What's going on? Hoagie cat. Hoagie cat. Nah, Johnsy babe. Awkward. What's up, man? Kev? Kevin Fishbane is here with us. It's been. I feel like it's been forever since the three of us were together. Gentlemen, it's great to be back. Bears. Football. Podcast and your Hogan your, your, your dirty muddy ducks hat, just still wearing it. Huh? He likes that hat. He does. He yeah. wears it often. This is brand new. I that was is say, not brand new. Yeah, yeah it's it faded this, to be uh, brand new. I I texted a photo of this to our good friend Patrick Finley, fashion the kind of the fashionister of the beat. Just want to run it by him before I purchase it. That's a way to put it. it. Yeah. It. Okay. I think it, yeah. it, were you I looking for it. fashionista? Fashion uh, fashionista. I don't know if they're gendered or not, but also gender is just a construct. Don't want to get into all that, but here we go. Uh, yeah, uh, Pat. Our, Pat said go for it, and uh, yeah, so it's one of my one a new hat in the rotation. I figured you know Hogue would appreciate it on this podcast where we've talked about the Mighty Ducks. I like that. I like it. I Good. like it, but that's still not a new hat. No way. Too fake. No, it's one of those hats <laughs> they sell where it looks weathered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you well, want to I could do a sweat? whole podcast on what motivated you to buy a Mighty Ducks hat, but uh, that's yeah. not while we're here. We'll save that for the Athletics Duck Podcast. Do they have one? Uh, no, but I think I now know my off-season project. I was going to say, Kevin will host the Mighty Ducks pod Yeah, from here on out. We just appointed him the host of that show. Uh, quack, 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 Mr. Fishbane. Anyway, we're here to talk about the Bears. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at K Fishbane. You should read those guys on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you go to get a good deal. I am at allchgo.com. Daily shows on the Bears there at CHGO. New, another newsletter coming out Wednesday if you'd like to subscribe to that. Greatly appreciate it. Um, all right, where should we start? Uh, full disclosure, I took the weekend off. I feel like you guys need to tell me. All of a sudden, I checked back in last night, and the entire roster's hurt. So what did you guys do to people over the weekend? We hurt them. Um, it, it's Bears football and training camp. I don't know. Nothing has changed really since Friday. There's more scouted looks in practice. Justin Fields made some very good throws. He made some very bad throws. I think they can still run the ball. 
offensive line is still full of moving pieces. The storylines have remained the same through 10 practices. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. I, I think the list of injuries probably is not that rare for this time of year. Um, yeah, but I agree was- with that. Like off the top of my head, Kevin, I was thinking about this. Like I feel like last year, the second the pads went on, like 15 guys went out. Yeah, I actually found a tweet from mine from a year ago in which in last year you also had the COVID-19 reserve list. So I had a tweet from last year where like half the roster was either out or limited or ramping back up. I think the problem with the current list is like Kyler Gordon is one of the most important bears. Like Bayless Jones Jr. is one of the most important bears. So, you know, like there's not that Roquan Smith is still out. So there's not that many guys in this team that are name brand guys. So when you have a bunch of guys who are out, kind of makes a difference. Like when you already don't have a whole lot of wide receivers or corners and you're missing three or four of those guys and, you know, undrafted rookie Jalen Jones is your first team nickel and Isaiah Coulter is getting some run with the starters at wide receiver. It's maybe a little bit more noticeable. Forgot Chris Fink. Right. Chris Finky. Fink. Fink. He kind of seems like a okay player, though. He does. I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, go. Here we go again. I have a mute button now, though. Oh, don't mute it. Then it's not as much fun. Oh, there's another one. Someone who's, who's watching on YouTube Ooh. should uh, should GIF that. Woo! <laughs> it's allergy season already. I've noticed that. I feel like it's always allergy season for you. Mm. That's not true. Do you guys think that uh, Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch listen to this podcast? Yes. Mm, it's part of the competitive advantage that they gain over the Bears. Right. So... You know, we should maybe be a little careful about what we talk about that happened in the weekend practices. No. Um, I have some questions for you. Hi, Kyle, by the way. And uh, now I want Kevin to explain what the hell he's talking about. Well, everything that happens is, all you know, it's competitive advantage. San Francisco 49ers, Hogue, are the first team on the Bears' schedule. No, I get that. But now I want yeah. you to tell us what happened. Oh, there was nothing happened? very secretive nothing. on that Sunday practice. It was short. A lot of guys nothing. didn't practice. They were, in sh- they were, it was short, and they were Actually, in shorts. The, the two play, the, there were there were two plays I wrote down from all of practice. It was a play action touchdown to Tajay Sharp from Justin Fields. Okay, that and would then, qualify under those well designed, nicely run plays that you like, Adam Hope. Yep, from the goal line, and then there was a deep ball, go up and get it catch by undrafted rookie Kevin Shaw, thrown by Nathan Peterman. It might have been the best deep ball, or I shouldn't say best deep ball, probably the best long game the Bears have had all camp, and it was Nathan Peterman to Kevin Shaw. Anyways, the reason I'm bringing up that is the Bears posted both of those plays oh, yeah. on social media, so um, you know, so the, so nothing's really that, that secretive from uh, Sunday's practice. Okay. All right, John said he has a bunch of questions for us, so I'm intrigued by these. Well, I want to steer this conversation a little bit. Okay. Here we go. This is our – so there's 10 days of camp. I think we have a good picture of how Matt Eberflus is running things. We've seen some new things. What are your – what stands out to you in terms of – I'm impressed by this from Matt Eberflus so far through 10 camp practices. Yeah, I, I I would say that my number one thing, if I if you were to say, okay, what's the number one like good thing? What's the number one bad thing? Number one good thing I think is the coaching competency seems to be there. Um, I think I think that they are willing to. My guess is, and I don't know this for sure, but my guess is when they get in there in their coaching meetings. They're not too concerned about the guys dropping out of practice with these little injuries that are popping up. I think they want to see who can handle this, who can fight through these grueling practices that they've had, and they've certainly stepped it up a notch like in the last four or so. Um, And I think that's the foundation they want. I think that they're thinking beyond just this season when it comes to that. Um, Now, on the flip side... I remember hearing this from some former players 
about Lovey Smith's first year, where it was very similar. Where like they're like, we're gonna practice hard, physical, nonstop, blah blah blah, and then everybody got hurt, and then Lovey actually ended up backing off the next season. So I wonder if, but I don't think that that was necessarily a bad thing because I think you want to set that foundation, right? You want to set those expectations that this is not going to be a pushover type camp. So I think that that's all good. Yeah, I, I think that there are there are fewer times during practice where I'm sitting down and putting my notebook away and checking Twitter, or talking to you guys. Like there's just a lot of action going on. Um, you know, it's funny. I got reminded of remember the ten 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 practices that yeah. that Matt Nagy had, and they were like once every few days, and it was like ten offense, ten defense of his own construction too, his own idea of how to run a practice. Yeah, and they were like kind of walk through type stuff. They don't. The Bears have not done that at all. I mean, every practices, but I I will say, the Chiefs did a ten 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 last week, so it, it's that's okay. They have my, good players. Right, right. So, like, you know, I, I think that I think you're onto something, Hogue, with the idea that, like, the way this team is being built, I think you do have to kind of go into it with this Ibrahim style. Like, I, I'm starting to. There's a lot of analogies or comparisons you can make to John Fox when he got here. Like, I mean, different because John Fox was this veteran head coach who'd done it for a long time. But the idea of somebody coming in and so much of, of this year is about installing a program and implementing a culture and just setting the bears on this track to get them far away from what happened the last couple of years. And I think from what he's done in training camp, it's, it looks fine. Well, I, but I, I cannot at all correlate any of that to whether or not they're going to win football games or be a good team. Yeah. But I, I think that one thing you just brought up is, is a, is a very easy contrast to look at those 10, 10, 10 practices. So when the bears would have closed practices, that this even goes back to when the Bears were still in Bourbon A. Those would be those 10, 10, 10 days. So they would work on, you know, probably some things deeper in the playbook that they didn't want. It was all scripted. To, all scripted. Yeah, it was all scripted, and they probably want to work on stuff that they could hide because they knew there were no cameras out there, blah, blah, blah. The closed practices this year are actually still, like, open, basically, because there's just other groups there and things like that. And they're pretty normal practices. We're not seeing them like be glorified walkthroughs like they used to be in those 10, 10, 10s under Nagy. So I think that that's, that's a pretty big difference, actually. What concerns you about the, the, the Eberflus way of life? Because I think we, we got a pretty good handle on how it's going to be now. We have a lot of players that are sitting out with minor ailments. They're all day-to-day. But some notable players like Valus Jones, um, Kyler Gordon. We saw Braxton Jones leave briefly in practice. Anything concern you about the Eberflus way of life through 10 practices? Kevin? Uh, not really. We're talking about practice. <laughs> okay. So, you know. Okay, AI. I, like, you know, I thought it was kind of funny that Cole Komet said it was the hardest practice he'd ever had in his football career. And then Iberflus clearly heard that and was like, it was just a regular practice. It shouldn't have been that big of a deal. But I, I don't see any acrimony being built from that. I mean, I, I just, like, we're going to learn so much about this guy from what happens in middle of September. Like, I'm just, I'm just not learning yet how, what's going to happen, how he's going to handle his timeouts, how he's going to handle challenging plays. Um, how he's going to handle just leading a team and, and halftime and all those little nuances of being a head coach. Um, but just from what I've seen about like starting a program, handling practice, like I, I don't, I don't really have any concerns about that so far. I think as, as you guys kind of said, the injuries are going to come. Um, and it, I, I just think this team's too young and has too many guys that need to prove something to be upset about what's going on. Like I'll take Eddie Jackson, for example. Like I, 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 we haven't heard any complaints from Eddie Jackson. If anything, I think he's actually seemed energized by what's going on. But if I'm going to be maybe a little cynical, if you're Eddie Jackson and you just saw all those veterans get cut, you know the way your contract is structured. 
if you want to make a lot of money, you better be have a good year. You better buy in. Because if you don't, they'll cut you, and whoever's going to sign you is not going to give you anywhere near the money that's due on the rest of his contract. So I, I just think that, that Eberflus is, I don't know if fortunate's the right word, but like <laughs> if he came into the 2014 Bears with this, it might not have gone well. But in 2022, with so many young guys, every free agent that here that's here is trying to make a name for himself. Um, I, I think it's probably a good match. Yeah, it's how you reboot the culture. It's how you have to do it. And you can only have the people that are buying in uh, involved. Otherwise, it becomes a problem. I think my concern to answer the question is is just still on the offensive line. Like, I'm not seeing... I, I'm very intrigued by this Braxton Jones stuff, but it's based more on the fact that they keep running them out there with the ones rather than anything, you know, totally impressive that I've seen. I think I got to see it in the preseason games first. Um... And I think that the Tevin Jenkins thing's been concerning. And, you know, why is Riley Reef back at right tackle? This is a guy that had some ankle issues in the past. Um, is he not quite the same guy? I think, I think that's where I'm just a little still concerned about the depth. How many rookies who are late-round draft picks still getting rotated in there and what that could potentially mean for the quarterback because the last thing you want is for Justin Fields to suffer an injury that could potentially make this like a wasted season. Here are my answers. I like that. Let's phrase it this way. Eberflus strikes me more of that CEO-like head coach than Matt Nagy ever was. And I think that's positive, and I think it's needed right now for this rebuild. He lets his coaches coach. And everything feels very purposeful in terms of letting his coaches coach. He's letting Allen Williams learn on the job a bit more after taking over the defense, after not being a defensive coordinator for several years. He's helping Luke Getze find his way as a first-time play caller. I like all of that. Everything seems very purposeful, also with the direction of how they, like what, what they want their identity to be. Matt Nagy never found his identity for this team. Just never, never did. It's not good when that's a question two, three years into the program. Matt Eberflus knows what he wants his team to be. And every drill, every message seems purposeful with intent to get that team to what he wants it to be. I like that. Even like doing the scout team stuff. I like that a lot. Uh, what concerns me? It's not so much the coaching style. Uh, it's not so much the drills, or you know, maybe doing too much scouted looks and stuff like that. It's the you, you could you could see the devoid of talent. It's 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 pretty apparent. We've covered how many training camps now? Ten, eleven. I do remember the training camp where they had Alshon Jeffrey and you know Brandon Marshall, like and Martellus Bennett, like holy moly, like that. Like those are some freaking players. They're dominant. You still Lance Briggs and Kyle Fuller coming in. Th those were. Players. Bears have some good ones, but they need more. That's my number one concern is you watch these practices play out. Like we should not be checking the roster so many times. We just Yeah, I know. Be. Yeah, it's and it's like it seems like they're already churning that roster. Yeah, I think the biggest example of that so far, Johns, I think I mentioned this last week too, is just like when you watch Darnell Mooney run routes compared to everybody else on the field, there's a there's a pretty big difference. Yes. Like like that's an NFL football player. I don't know how many other guys out there you're looking at and you're like, oh, yeah, that's an NFL football player. Highlight a, lot of, a lot of fringe players. Highlight a training camp. Like, the Bears should not be promoting Nathan Peterman deep balls to Kevin Shaw. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. I don't think that's generally a good thing. Neither of those yeah. guys are going to be on the 53-man roster against the aforementioned 49ers. You know, Luke, Luke Getze was asked, Last, on Friday, you know, why there haven't been a whole lot of explosive plays. And he d disagreed with that assertion. I mean, how many 20 plus pass plays can you get? I and mean, we can count them on one hand, probably, that have taken place. Maybe he's counting other plays and he's seen things that we're not seeing. But, like, yeah, I've said this a bunch on this podcast. I've written this. Like, I just want there to be a day that the offense lights it up because you just want to see it. You just want to see everything click. And even bad offenses have those good days here and there. 
And like we just haven't had that yet still. We haven't had that day where Justin Fields just automatic and guys are catching every ball and they're moving the ball downfield with ease. Um, you know, the, yeah, they yeah, it's typical the defense is ahead of the offensive camp, but it's not like this is a great defense either. So I, I, you're right. Like you're just this team. That's that's where you see the difference It's just the, the talent void. They just can't. It's a talent void combined with learning a brand new playbook on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, next topic. Hoagie Cat. That doesn't really roll off your tongue. Okay, Adam. Well, I don't know why you keep calling I don't know. That. I don't know. I don't know why either. Um, You started to, to hit on this a little bit. Let's go on the positive side of things. Which position group has impressed you the most through 10 days of practice? Like, which position group do you feel good about going into the regular season? Because I think you could tell, like, in terms of first impressions, you get a good feel for what they have talent-wise and chemistry-wise at this point. Yeah, I think when they were all out there on the field, the answer was the secondary. Um, I, I think it's a noticeable upgrade. Um, the things that continue to stand out even beyond the first teamers, once you go deeper in the depth chart, those guys are making more plays on the ball. Like that emphasis, I feel like is paying off. You're constantly seeing hands on the football, whether it's in the air or how many balls have we seen punched out after a catch even? Or right at the point of a catch. It's every single day. Um, a lot of times in one-on-ones, like a guy will make a catch, and then the DB who got beat will catch up and pop it out. Like, you know, if that happens in a football game, you can live with that. Yeah, you got beat, but you came back and created a takeaway. Boom. You know, so that I feel like is the group when healthy, because all of a sudden over the last three days... Those DBs have been out like crazy. And are you guys worried about Kyler Gordon at all? Like he sure has missed a lot of practice time, even going back to OTAs. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, because it goes back to OTAs. Yeah, that's now what's he, now, to... now he's out there. He, he's wearing his jersey. He's on the bike. You see him. Like he's active amongst his teammates. He's not just like standing there feeling hurt. He doesn't look like he's really hurt. But yes, I want him on the field playing ba- football. I almost said baseball, but football. But it just starts to make me wonder what he's dealing with that might be chronic. You know what I mean? When it's nothing specific and it's something he was dealing with in the spring relatively quickly, 
Um, maybe it's something he can play through just fine, but I don't know. It's just a little, une- it makes me a little uneasy. Kyle Shanahan's ears just perked up. Okay. Talking Again. injuries. Hello, Kyle. Again. Answer uh, the question, Kevin. I think that Jalen Johnson and Jaquan Brisker have probably been two of the top four players at camp in terms of making plays. Ooh, who are the, the other two now? Two. I, I, I think Justin Jones had a really good camp. Yeah. Wrote about him today at The Athletic, by the way. They're a little tease. Plug. Go check that out. A nice conversation with Justin Jones last week. Um, and and Mooney. You yeah, know, it's weird. Every yeah. camp, David Montgomery looks really good. But it's hard because it's, it's like the running game. You just don't know. But like he just always, I mean, talk about a guy who like he he takes every rep. It like resembles his personality almost. Like he just takes every rep. So like 100% um, to go to the cliche. But because of Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker, I would also agree that the secondary has when healthy been the best unit. Here's the problem. I don't know what the second best unit has been. I, I, I got one for you. But let me play devil's advocate about the secondary. Is it the equipment staff? Because I think they've had a great camp. I think you could tell they have like the size, skill, and speed advantage over the receivers, right? Like, is are, are they? I think they're good, but are they as good as we're seeing, or will be going up against? Because the wide receivers suck. Yes. Yeah. Outside Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, who could still box you out. Yeah. What do they always say about the those you know small school prospects? You got to see them dominate their competition. So I think it's okay that we're seeing the secondary win as many you know one on ones. But you're right. I mean, it's it it's not going to matter as much if these guys can't contain Debo I mean, Samuel about, and, yes. and Kittle. I was just about to mention yeah. those two. Big test right away. But here's another position group I got for you. I think the running back group is good. Explosive, can do a lot of things. Montgomery, Herbert, Ebner, Evans. I like Ebner. Yes. Yes. They got some players there. Now, this probably doesn't bode well for David Montgomery in terms of getting a long-term deal unless he breaks out and has a massive year and you have to re-sign him. But they got some guys that can, can move that ball and move it violently and quickly. One cut with that outside zone. They got some players. Pass catching options. I like that group. You know, I think the way this team is structured – it's good to have your running backs be really deep because you're going to have to run the ball well. Like this team is going to be built on that they're going to have to run the ball in defense. They're going to have to win low scoring games. And if you look back to, you know, last year, one of the problems with trying to win games like that was how many lapses do we see in the secondary and big plays to our team. So if your secondary is good, you can play those grinded out games. You can force the teams to dink and dunk. So like the like if, if those are your strengths, you're okay with that because that's probably the way you're built right now. Is you gotta win game 17-13. Hashtag Bears. It's the way it's the way it's always been, right, boys? Yeah. Yeah. The faces change, the names change, but it's still a Chicago Bears gotta win with defense. Well, in a lot of ways it does in feel like game. every every camp's the same. Um, you know, one of the low key great things the Bears have done over the last really since we've covered the team, is how they've handled the running backs. And I think you can even group Matt Forte into that conversation, but especially since they moved on from Matt Forte, like they don't spend big money on the position. They draft one, it seems like, every year, sometimes more than one. And you just keep churning those guys in there. That's just good, smart football business at this point and I would even argue with Forte even though they paid him and he ended up you know getting the tag and then signing a long-term deal like that was that was money in that situation where it was worth it like he was an exception to where it was worth paying him and you still didn't break a huge bank on him um I don't know if David Montgomery fits that category but I think we're going to learn a lot this year with some of these other options that we're talking about at that position. And I just like that they keep drafting one. Just keep drafting one every year, and you're going to be okay there. That's despite the fact that they they really haven't had 
great offensive lines and or even in the last four years, a great running scheme. But you could still tell like the backs are good, at least good enough. Yeah, I'm convinced only, they can run the ball. I am. I was saying only uh, the Bears drafted positions like offensive tackle and quarterback the way they draft running backs. Because if you think about it, Hogue, it's a great point because Jeremy Langford, Jordan Howard, Dave Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, and now yeah. Trent, and you throw Ebner into that. Uh, Kedeem Carey. So you're, you're spanning three GMs here who use late-round picks on guys that you know you could bring in, and, and in some cases, guys that could take over as a starter. Um, but <laughs> the problem is it's 2022, and you don't necessarily want that to be the position that you're really, really good at drafting and handling. It is the easiest position to do that because you can just do it with late-round picks and take your chances, as opposed to quarterback or offensive tackle, where the, the, the data tells us you have to find those guys in the first round. But my gripe for so many years was, well, at least take some chances in the day three just to have a guy and see what happens. And they've done that at running back, and, and they've been they've been pretty successful at it. But I think you make a great point about Forte, because he was a rare back, and, and even it's only been, what, 10 years since that franchise tag? And the game has already changed so much since then, too. Right, right. So as, as much as Montgomery has a lot of forte qualities to the way he plays, it's just it's just a different it's just a different game. I think we can all agree that the offensive line is probably the most troubling, just until they get it all together. Although I do think adding Michael Schofield and Riley Reef change the makeup of that line in a more positive way. So let me ask you this: What do you make of? Braxton Jones's chances of staying at left tackle now for the full duration of camp. It's four. It's five. I want to say it's five days in a row now that we've seen him. Other than when he briefly left on Saturday, five consecutive days where he got every snap at left tackle with the starting offense. Yeah, I think. Um I think the possibility of that being a thing is higher than what I thought it was going to be back in OTAs when we first saw him with the first team. Uh, I'm still a little skeptical that it's going to stick. I think part of it might be due to whatever Tevin Jenkins is dealing with, to whatever their evaluation of Larry Borum was at left tackle first, and maybe... Perhaps Riley Reef's limitations to play the left side at this point in his career. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I could still see a scenario where if he struggles in the preseason, they go out and add help there. But I think this is a real situation where if he plays well in the preseason, he can win the job. And I don't know that my mind was that open to that idea back in May or June when we first start, started seeing him there with the first team. Do you guys think when they signed Riley Reef, they thought he would just step in and be the left tackle? Probably. And then they saw something and thought, maybe you're better suited on the right? I think there's that, but I also think we need to give Braxton Jones credit, too. Like I think yeah. that he has answered the bell. I think that he's clearly doing something behind the scenes and the meetings and understanding the offense and the scheme, and he clearly looks the part. I mean, he blows you away in terms of what he actually looks like. like he looks like an NFL left tackle. It's can you handle the technique and the huge jump up in competition from Southern Utah to the NFL, and that part's still got to be answered. But the one, the one thing, like, Johns, when you were talking earlier about some skepticism with the secondary because of who they're going up against, when it comes to Braxton Jones, like, he's... He's facing real-ass defensive linemen every day. We're talking about Robert Quinn. We're talking about Al-Qadi Muhammad. We're talking about good players. So he's getting tested. He's getting that experience. So that tells me if he can handle it, especially after the pads went on, I think he, impre- I think he checked that box. I think he impressed the coaches there. Why can't it translate to the preseason at this point? Even the failure is good for him right now. Because let me tell you, on Sunday, there was failure. Robert Quinn made quick work, very quick work of him in a one-on-one drill. Weren't the pads off Sunday? Yes. I'm not trying to make excuses, but 
that's back to it. That's a little bit of adjustment. Now all yeah. of a sudden the pads are off. It's fair. That's fine. Yeah. I don't think his feet were in the right place. I don't think he was quick enough to keep up with the quickness of Robert Quinn. I feel like Quinn's hands are on him almost instantaneously on the snap. But again, the guy who set the all-time sack record for the Bears last year, or tied it, it's a good challenge to have. There was a play well, during, sorry, when they were backed up. I forget which drill it was. But they ran a stunt where Justin Jones came around. And it wasn't picked up. came around... Um, Jones' side, left side. And Eberflus actually gave the defense a sack on that one because it was just so abrupt, so quick. I know he wants feels to get passes off, but that was right there. But again, another learning moment where the Bears' big three technique made him pay for it. Yeah, I, I the, that first rep of pass rush reminds me of, remember Khalil Mack would do one rep a day and the pass rush drills and it would just be game over? For Hubbard was across from him. It was a little bit like that. And I wonder, I, I, I joked afterwards, I was like, I wonder if Robert Quinn heard that Luke Getze quote about how Braxton Jones answered the bell the first time he faced Robert Quinn. Ooh, but yeah. what, what I liked about that is I forgot which player it was, was going in to replace Jones. And he put his hand up. He goes, no, he went right back to his spot. He did not want that to be, you know, it wasn't Quinn who he faced again. He faced somebody else. Like he made it a point that he wanted to return and, and and fix it. Like he knew that that was you know he got beat by it. Obviously, a guy who could be in the Hall of Fame one day. But I, I, look, going back to the way this team was constructed for twenty twenty two, what a perfect opportunity to see if you've got something in a fifth round pick from Southern Utah as your long term left tackle. It would be the, one of the greatest draft finds. Uh, it's early, but you know the guys the guys proven it so far. You see what he does in the regular season. And if he's not a long-term guy, then you just draft another one, and you find you find another spot for him. I'm looking, I'm looking far into the future here, but you know, look, I I would almost rather Braxton Jones be the day one left tackle than Riley Reef. When you're talking about like the long-term vision of this team and what you're trying to build here, you know, Riley Reef is a one-year stopgap. He helps you. He helps bring veteran experience. He he's a lesser Jason Peters of what Peters did last year. Um, but if, if, if you've got something in Braxton Jones, you get him those reps and you get and you have him kind of learn on the job and you figure out a way to make sure that that's not hindering Justin Fields too much, which I think the last year's staff struggled to, to do. Right, here's the biggest question of the day. Start with oh you, Kevin. Who oh is your Ladarius Mack award winner thus far in camp? Mm. Mm-hmm. The Tanner Gentry, Ladarius Mack, Daniel Braverman Award. Okay, but can I have... Those are different awards. Yeah, yeah. especially, like, what did Ladarius Mack show you that even led to that? What number was he? Like, 15? Don't ask me. You should know. There was one day in practice that I, like, I wrote down a player's name who looked good in the pass rush, and I checked my roster as Ladarius Mack. And that was it. You guys did a little thing where it's like, tell us somebody who impressed you in practice. And I like looked at my notes like, hey, that guy had a good practice. And then it became a thing. Because like Dane Sonsenbacher and Tanner Gentry and those guys, like they made some plays. Yeah, Ladarius back won a pass rush drill here or there. He had one good rep. And my my Ladarius Mack award for guys that's look have looked good in the pass rush drills, but might not actually be anything for this team would probably be Sam Kamara. Oh, I noticed him in the pass rush drill the other day. So there you go. That's your answer, Sam Kamara. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you have an award winner, Adam? Uh, I wasn't asked the question. Uh, repeat the question for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if so, I, I have one. It, it's like, well, I'm trying to find out if Chris Fink is that guy, or if he's actually somebody who can be useful in the slot and on special teams. I, I that, see, and I can't figure that out yet. I'm not going to say that. Those are like the lessons learned of you know previous regimes. Like you want to see him do that with the starters and against starters, right? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the problem I, with this, the problem with this offense, like not doing a whole lot, 
in camp in terms of sustaining drives or making big pass plays we talked about earlier is they're, they're not opportunities for the Tanner Gentry, the Andy Fantuz, if you will, going in the way back machine. Oh, boy. Like, they're just I, – I thought Chris Fink would be that guy. I thought Kevin Shaw would be that guy. I thought, you know, it'd be nice for the Bears if Byron Pringle – um, was that guy? I know you guys talked about him last week, and he's he's made a couple plays, but it's it's just weird that the offense is just does hasn't done enough where we've seen that one guy just catch pass after pass after pass, except for Darnell Mooney. And Dave Montgomery has caught a lot of passes. I'm convinced he's second on the team in training camp receptions. I'll put it this way: like the whole premise of this question is to talk about players that you usually don't talk about, like guys that are catching yeah. your eye every day at practice. If I had to to list certain ones, it's the running backs. It's it's Evans. It's Ebner. I want to say it's the linebackers, especially without Roquan Smith there. It's Joe Thomas. It's Matthew Adams. They seem like capable special teamers, capable fill-ins. But you notice them make plays. They're stopping Cole Komet. Yeah, I think you're naming a, quickly. I think you're naming a lot of guys though that are going to make the team. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think the so maybe the Ladarius Mack award isn't named correctly, but just in terms of guys that I didn't expect to talk a lot about, those are four. Yeah. Okay, next question. Right. Last one for you, boys. This is a repeat question because it's a – an important topic that won't go away until we actually have a star in this position. Ten practices in. What have you seen from Justin Fields, and what would you like to see him do, add, improve on over the rest of camp? I very... uh I think I'm in the same spot I was when camp started on him, which I guess considering my hope and expectation for him was to blow me away, then that would be, that would put me in like the slightly disappointed category. But that being said, I'm also not concerned with anything I've seen. I mean, there's been, there was like one really bad day, I thought which I've been very clear about those days are going to happen always, even if he's, you know, lighting it up every other day, you're going to have bad days. So I'm, I'm still willing to sit here and like, let it be a process and understand that this offense is being installed and it's a system and the system's going to take care of them. And what really matters is what he does on the field. Once the game starts, um, but yeah, do I wish that there were some deep balls that were getting overthrown by five, ten yards last week? Or, you know, should those have been right in stride with the wide receivers? Yeah, ideally, but I, I it's fine so far, is how I'll put it. It's been fine. Kev? Yeah, no, I'm I'm just very very lukewarm, very tepid. Um. I, I, he's been fine. I think you you were hoping for spectacular. You're hoping for great, but he hasn't been bad. Um, which I guess is like a low bar, but it's the Chicago Bears. And it's the quarterback position, and we all saw what you know Fields' numbers were last year. He struggled. Um, I, you know, I I'll say this: what what's impressed me most about the offense has been the scheme more so than. You know, feel like I, I think it's been we've seen and, and maybe this is why we haven't seen a lot of deep balls is because they're really just working on installing some of these plays and shoot. Maybe they know they're not going to have a lot of opportunities to throw the ball downfield with this offensive line and with this receiving core. But I, I feel and, and you know, Hogue talked about this with the goal line stuff. And I think we've seen it with Cole Komet a lot in the way that they've gotten him open. Um, like I'm more impressed by what Luke Getze's playbook has started to show me. Um, and I think that's helped put Justin Fields in more advantageous spots. Um, but Fields probably isn't taking advantage of it at a high rate that, that he should. What I'm very interested to see, guys, is what's the game plan for Tuesday in Soldier Field for the offense? Like, 
do you do you try to have Justin Fields let it rip a little bit, you know? Like to uh use a phrase from, you know, the Simpsons, you know, I'm just gonna hit some dingers, just let him throw it deep. Or or are you are you nervous about doing that because the offense has been the way it is and you don't want everyone to leave Soldier Field thinking that their quarterback's not very good. Like I, I'm very curious to see like how that if that has any role in the way that they build their practice well, plan. Maybe, but is there really going to be that many people there? It's a Tuesday. There. I have questions about this. The it's Packers Tuesday, had a practice. The, the Packers had a practice the other night at Lambeau Field. That was on TV in Wisconsin. The Eagles last night, I believe, had thirty thousand people at their stadium. Now, when we first started. I want to say like maybe six, seven years ago, the Bears would do this family fest on Saturday evenings. During Lollapalooza. But it was Lollapalooza weekend. And Are you you telling me the planning isn't good? I'm I'm saying that maybe if you had a stadium in Arlington Heights that you owned, uh, it might be a little bit easier to pull these things off instead of having to do it on a Tuesday morning. In a work week, right? Doesn't the whole thing just feel forced? This is where my bias as a reporter comes in because I love a, a late morning weekday as opposed to Saturday night during Lollapalooza. But you're right. I mean, Eagles had a night practice uh, last night, I believe. Um, who else? The Bills filled their stadium for a night practice. Like it's a, it's a become a common thing around the league to have these nighttime scrimmages at the stadium, and it's not and like the Bears the, don't have loyal fans like all these other teams that we're talking about. They're there, right? Wasn't there a year that they did it in Bourbonnais at that little at like at the Olivet Nazarene Stadium? Yeah, in Soldier Field. Yeah, they used to have like one night practice, one or two. Lovey would have more actually. I feel like he'd have a couple. And it would actually be... Well, Lovey's you know, schedule varied as opposed to the other guys we've covered. Yeah. Well, Lovey used to practice in the afternoon, like 3 o'clock. Uh, Hogue, you're a football coach. Uh, yeah. Do you think maybe that the uh, the coach was like, I don't want to have a practice at 7 p.m. We practice at 10.35 a.m. That's how things go here. Well, maybe, but I don't know. At some point, like you're a f- professional football organization and have to I guess my point is if you're gonna do a soldier field practice for the fans why not make it a bigger deal than it is I don't know like are they treating I mean part of me feels like they're just gonna treat tomorrow like a walkthrough for Sunday or Saturday I mean like here's the stadium here's the locker room but in my mind I'm like isn't that what the preseason game is for We'll just have to wait till 2027, right? Yeah. Arlington Heights Family Fest on a Saturday night. I don't know what stadium you're building that's going to be ready by then, but okay. It's awfully quick. Uh, to go back to the fields question, I think his processing could speed up a bit. I like to see him throw with a little bit more anticipation, but I say that knowing he's still in a process of learning this new offense. Like, there's plays that Simeon and Peterman would make where they throw with the anticipation. They don't have the arm talent that Justin Fields has. They don't have his ability. But they're throwing with the anticipation. They're throwing guys open. We haven't seen enough of that from Justin Fields, but I say that knowing that his process, his processing is part of this process. He's learning a new offense. I'd like to see that improve as camp plays out he's got opportunities to do that yeah i think that's a good point i think that's a specific thing that again i think that's why the importance of him playing on saturday in the preseason games we'll see what it looks like even though the coverages will probably be relatively vanilla and we probably shouldn't put too much stock in it the matt Nagy revenge game dun 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 that's where like it's almost like a lose lose because it's if he goes and lights it up, you're like, well, remember that one uh, Mitch Trubisky game against the Broncos? His first time he ever took the field, Soldier Field, and he looked like 
Uh, remember Justin Fields' first preseason game against the Dolphins? Uh oh yeah, when everything was fast or slow, I mean, everything was slowed yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, he looked pretty good. Yeah, but I'd much rather it look like that than the alternative. <laughs> right, right. So that's why I mean, 100%. it's a lose lose. So if he if he lights it up, you're like, well, it doesn't count. But if he sucks, everyone's going to be like, oh, this is a huge problem. Hey, speaking of uh, Bears pre- uh, preseasons of Bears past, do you guys remember when the Dolphins came here for a preseason game? Might have been 2014. And they ran like the zone read just all over the like It was like 75-yard run, 50-yard run. Ryan Tannehill like kept it for like the linebacker, Bears linebackers had no idea where they were going. And the Bears ended up having the worst defense in NFL history or in franchise history that year. Well, so you're going to the Mel Tucker, Mark Trestman era. Mm-hmm. And that was the same that? year, I believe, as the Seattle game. <sighs> I remember that. The infamous. One. Yeah. Right. Enough of the bad memories. <laughs> <sighs> All right. That's it. You got to go, they Hulk. The, they have the same road slate as, 20, as, as 2014. So this is going to be a theme this year, by the way. Remember only, if it, only if you make it one, Kevin, because nobody wants to remember that year. Wait till New England week. We're going to have some fun <laughs> facts that week. You know what I just realized, guys? I've been playing drops the whole show, and it was potted down the whole time. There so was a time that I was like, this would be a perfect opportunity for the yeah. Mike Glennon no drop, and I didn't hear anything. No. Oh, yeah. there it is. There he is. Our, our good friend Mike. Yeah, I did. here's some of what you missed. I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. And then when Johns was calling me Hoagie Cat for some reason. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs> we coined the name. Yeah. I'm like, because I could hear it in my ear, but you were talking over it. And I'm like, wait a minute. They can't hear it. I'm an idiot. Well... That's another drop. Just me saying I'm an idiot. You <laughs> can play that a lot. It applies Finally, a lot. Can't take that one, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not. All right, we're out of here. I got to go. Got to go downtown. No days off. What are you guys doing on the rest of your off day? Working. Yeah, that's how it is. Working. Kevin froze. He's just gone. He's looking at something else. Yeah. You can tell. All right, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Kay Fishbane. Um, Plenty of coverage coming all week long. The Soldier Field practice is tomorrow on Tuesday, and we'll be back Thursday with uh, our second episode of the week. It's game week. There's a a preseason game Saturday. I was going to say, we got a preseason game to preview. Yeah. All right. Well, Kevin's officially gone now, so I think we should just wrap this thing up. We'll talk to you Thursday. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares?